Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. There's a tension that lives in our faith journey, kind of depending on where you are on your faith journey. And this tension really started years ago, and it depends on the background of your faith journey. So if you are newer to your faith journey, perhaps you've stepped into church maybe within the last couple of years or maybe the last 10 years, and maybe you're stepping into church for the first time even today. And whatever's happened to you since the beginning of your recognition of a faith journey to now is starting to influence the way that you feel about Christianity, about God, about church, and everything that kind of gets balled into that. So if you're newer to the journey, you be, can be influenced greatly by social media and the guys you see on TV and, and all these things that have been happening to you over the course of your life. You've been looking and watching, and as you're looking and watching, you're now asking the question, what is true about God, because it only takes you three cl- clicks of your remote to hear one guy saying one thing and another guy saying another thing. And then you decide to Google what is true about God. If you ever did that before, um, good luck. It's going to be a faith journey that is just like all over the place. And you're like, I don't even know what to believe. And if you've been on a faith journey for a while, let's say that this is not new to you. Since you were a puppy, and you were just brand new. And from the time you're in a bassinet, you've heard about God, known about God. You had a strong family, and you grew up in the church. But in your time of going to church or your experiences with God, you've had great ones and not so great ones. Maybe as a kid, you bounced around to different churches. Maybe your church went through this terrible thing called a church split where a family didn't agree on something together and there was tension and these friends and family that you knew all of a sudden were talking to each other and you're starting in your formative years say what is true about God what is true about church but you've hung in there you're here today you're like we're still giving it the old college try and we're still trying to figure this out in the story what is true about God maybe it's this maybe Maybe you are just on this journey of finding the American dream, which happens in Washington County a lot more, if you don't know this, than not only throughout our nation, but throughout the world. Washington County has a lot of resources. And you've got everything you dreamed of. You have the two-and-a-half-car garage split-level ranch. You have the 2.5 kids that Americans are supposed to have. You have that designer dog. And that designer dog is fluffy and curly and non-shedding. And you've got the labradoodle, something doodle, doodle, doodle. You've got everything you dreamed of. And your kids are at some of the best schools. And you are living the dream. And you're sitting there saying, this is not what I thought it would be. There's got to be more to life. Because since you've been a child, your spiritual journey has been this idea that I need to blend the American dream with the God dream, which means I get everything I want. At the same time, God gives me everything I want. And then you're sitting here like, this isn't that great. 
There has to be more to life on this spiritual journey than just getting these things. But this is what's true about our journeys. Each one of you on your journey, regardless of if it's new to you or if it's been a long time, or let's say your journey has let you down, they're unique to you like your fingerprint because it's your story. It's your story. Your story is your story. And you sit here today with this opportunity as we begin this new series, and you're sitting here with your story, and you are going to bring your thoughts and your story and your expectations and everything to the table, and you're going to listen to me through your story. That's true of everything in our life. You are going to listen to me and to this message through your lens. And as unique as it is, all of you are going to have a different perspective on that. How do I know this? I've been doing ministry for a long time. And in ministry, there is a time in which I would have someone come up to me and say, Pastor, oh, that was the greatest sermon I've ever heard in my life. You spoke right to my heart. I kid you not. This is what happened to me this week. It's like God told you to write a sermon for me. Personally, thank you. I loved it. Please never change. And I say, oh, that's very nice. And as that person walks away, another person walks up, that was not your best sermon, pastor. (laughs) I don't think it made any sense. I had no idea where you were going, and I didn't like it at all, honestly. So if you could do better next time, please do so. And what's happening is that we're listening and we're applying through our lens. Now, When it comes to the Word of God, and this is where the point's going to go here, where we're going this morning, the Word of God does not depend on your experiences. The Word of God is the Word of God. It doesn't change, and your experience does not change the truth of the Word of God. What changes is your perspective of hearing the Word of God. And so when you read something like, ooh, I don't like that, that could be coming through your story. And when we get into this passage in this new series called New Creation, you are not going to like some of the things I'm about to say. And I lovingly say, it's okay. You don't have to like what the Word says. And there's going to be a tension that's going to rub on you on some of these, and that's okay. But let the Word of God offend you. Let it push against you. Let it challenge you. Because you have to ask the question, if the Word of God is rubbing me wrong, I wonder what's wrong. Is it the Word or me? And I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you the end of the story. It's you. (laughs) And that's the beauty of what the word of God is. Because this is the key. I want you to understand this. Our experiences on our faith journey skew what we think about God and what it means to follow him. Let me say this again. Our experiences on our faith journey skew what we think about God and what it means to follow him. If I grew up in a very religious home that went to church on Sunday, went home after church, and had nothing to do with God, I'm going to view church very different than a family that grew up and didn't go to church at all. I'm going to look very different than the people who went to church, loved God, served throughout the week, disciple-making, discipleship. It's going to skew everything. And so what we have to do this morning as we begin this series, and this is like spirituality, growth, and development 10101, is we have to change the way we think about the Word of God and God. And we have to stop using our skewing to actually open our hands and open our hearts and say, maybe I have been following, this is a hard one, maybe I've been following the wrong God for part of my life. I've been following a God 
that in my perspective and my experiences became one that I like better than the one that is. Or perhaps my perspective is I'm sitting here angry, so mad right now at God because he's not doing what I want the way I want. He has nothing good for me. What's the purpose of following him? And so out of that anger, you're saying, the, the view of God that I have, I don't like him because he's not giving me everything I want. And maybe, just throwing it out there, that's on you. Because the true God of the word of God and why we are students of this word is that we understand and learn who he really is and what he really asked us to do. And that's what we're going to be digging into in this passage today. Before we get there, I want you to process this, regardless of your past, regardless of your stories. We're starting this whole series. You're going to hear something today. It might be new to you, and I want you to understand this. It says it so clearly in Corinthians 5.17. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. I'm going to read that again for you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, the old creation, the new creation has come, the old creation, the old you, the old peace has gone, the new is here. I've heard that verse a bunch of times, and again, your experience, you've been in church, I've heard that a million times, new experience, never heard that one before. I've heard this so many times, and I don't do it or believe it. So if you are with me and like, well, I'm kind of a new creation, I kind of want to be better than I was before, I kind of want to hang on to my old self and my new self at the same time, I kind of want to just play church some days and be Jesus-y some days and the other days, some days I just don't want to do that, I want to do what I want, kind of like a dude on a diet. Now right now I'm working out and I'm trying to get healthy, and let me tell you about a dude on a diet. I'm hungry all the time. You know what I want? Sugar. All I want is sugar. Like, you know, I'm working hard, and I'm super dedicated sometimes. I'm focused. I'm eating nothing but rabbit food and grass and chewing on tree bark, right? (laughs) And then someone decides to bring in a box of donuts. And all I think is, I just want that donut. (laughs) I don't care about everything else. I just want the donut. And I grab the donut, and I eat the donut. But let's not not eat one donut. I'm going to eat the whole box of donuts. So what am I? Am I healthy or am I not? It's the same way that we deal with our spiritual lives. Either you are a new creation or you're not. Either you've made the decision to follow the master or you don't. There is no in-between. There is no kind of old, kind of new. And so this tension that we live in, this tension of your spiritual journey, you're now listening to that through your experiences. And you're going to, if you're like any other human in the world, start to say, well, I'm kind of good sometimes. I have done some things better. I am kind of a new creation. I am kind of focused, except when the donuts come. When the donuts come, pastor, you don't understand. They're delicious. I want it now. And so we go back to our old way of thinking, our old way of life. But this is going to be very hard for us to chew on today. What if either you are a new creation or you're not? And I'm not saying you're not going to sin. That's not what this is about. I'm not going to say you're not going to mess up. I'm not saying you aren't going to struggle. And it's, I'm not going to say there's times that you won't eat the donut. What I am saying is this. What if a new creation changes everything that we think about our spiritual journey into my entire life is fully dedicated to the gospel fully dedicated to Jesus Christ, so that I am living in a constant tension 
that I continually remove the old way to live in this new way of living. I am going to chew on tree bark the rest of my life, which I'm not going to. This is just a season because I like donuts. So we're going to dig into the word today and get there. Before we get there, I just want to pray because this, this topic, this series is so big. It's so robust. And I'm hoping that in this, that you, both listening here live and online, that you would take time because this series is for you. This series is for you to start to wrestle with some places that you have in your life. And I understand there's going to be some tension in that as you start to process your walk with the Lord. You start to process what you actually think about what it means to be a disciple. There's going to be tension. And the way that we get through that tension is the Spirit of God has to speak directly into your heart. And so when before we begin today, I want to start right there asking God to do that. So let's pray with me, if you would. God, I'm asking a big, a big request right now for, for me, for the Mosaic family, for those listening. Spirit, would you start something new in our lives today? Lord, there has to be a searching of our heart, the dark places we don't want to talk about. Lord, maybe some of our skewed thoughts of you and your word and what you actually ask of us. You've called us to be a new creation in you. But God, I know that some of us are hanging on, not wanting to give that up. The only way we change and transform is by your spirit. So I ask that now, God, that your word would ring true in our hearts, that there would be movement and action and change, God, that would start in our hearts first, that we can transform our community and the world. Lord, we love you, and we ask for your guidance and strength today. In your great name, amen. So as we begin this journey, I want to start very clearly into what it means to be a new creation. A new creation, the old has come, the old has gone, the new is here. This new creation, this thing in which we're supposed to be a new creation, what exactly does that mean? Again, depending on your story of church life, you may have heard that word before. I never had it really defined to me. I'm like, I'm supposed to be a new person. Does that mean like morally? Does that mean with my choices? Does that mean with my time? Like, what is God asking me if I'm to be a new creation? And it says it so clearly in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I'll have on the screen behind me. It says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of the God's mercy, the gospel, what he has done, all of his mercy on us, in view of everything that God has lavished on us, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Again, your story could be skewed here. Like You're telling me that worship is actually being a living sacrifice? That is a weird word. And sacrifice is a weird word because for us, it goes back to the Old Testament when they would take animals that were without blemish and they'd put them onto an altar and they would kill this perfect, blameless animal as a sacrifice for the sins of people. And now you're telling me in the New Testament that worship to God is that I am a sacrifice living so you're not going to put me on an altar. You're not going to have me give my life. But I'm supposed to live and every single day sacrifice everything I want for the kingdom of God? 
that I am an alive being, that every choice, every thought, every action, that I am thinking out instead of taking care of myself? That if I'm a living sacrifice, and this is the worship that God wants, my life becomes completely transformed by this whole new way of thinking that I'm alive and I wake up in the morning. And the reason I get my head off of my pillow is to accomplish the kingdom of God things and nothing else matters. Living sacrifice. Everything I have for all of you. Radical generosity. It's one of our core values wrapped up in radical generosity. You may have heard that core value. Uh, It's easy to talk about finances, be radically generous financially. But what if we're being radically generous because it's in our core value of everything, including your life? Everything. You are called in Christ to be a living sacrifice in which I am a servant of everybody and everything, and my entire day is wrapped up with the focus of the kingdom. But it goes on to this. We have this thought. Let's go on to verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform anymore to what everybody else is doing and their systems. Do not conform anymore to what the world is doing and what they're asking of you. We don't conform anymore to the value systems of the 2.5 cards, 2.5 kids, some sort of designer dog. We don't conform anymore to that. What we are is we are living sacrifices on a whole new system, whole new way of thinking that we are no longer part of what this world cares about. And that comes from renewing our mind. That comes from being a new creation. That goes back to the verse we read before. The new has come, the old is gone. You completely trade in what the world has for you and you take on a new value system. Then, what's God's will for my life? Well, I don't know what to do with my life. What's the purpose of my life? It's right here. Then you know how to answer what God wants for you because you're focused on his kingdom and his way of thinking. Your focus is so driven by what do I do about God's way versus my way that your entire life is shifted and transformed and the joy of the gospel is what you live in every single day. Now take a breath because this is intense. You're telling me that I'm not supposed to care about the things of this world. You're telling me that I shouldn't be active in things happening. I'm not saying that. Everything that we're a part of is kingdom-focused, not world-focused. The purpose is kingdom-minded, not local-minded. When I enter into any situation, if I'm a new creation with new thoughts, No matter what it is, my purpose, my drive, my hope, my dreams, my focus is the kingdom of God, not other things. Your job that you go to every day, the moms who stay home every day, the neighbors that you have, our community, our country is about the kingdom of God. That is what Jesus came to bring, and that's what Jesus came to say and do. And so that is always going to be 
our perspective. That's true worship. New value system, new perspective. So let me say this really, really simply, but this is the biggest thing for all you note takers, tweeters, Instagrammers, Snapchatters, and every other thing out there. Um, old school, you can write this down with pen. That's cool too. This is what we're going to say. This is so, so important for you to understand. Renewing your mind means interpreting life through the lens of God's word and the work of the spirit rather than through the lens of your experiences, your woundedness, your preferences, or the opinions of others. Again, renewing your mind means interpreting life through the lens of God's word and the work of the Spirit in your life, rather than the lens of your experiences, your woundedness, your preferences, and the opinions of others. That's what it means. So I trade in, and I push my chips in for what I want, and my story, my experiences, and what I take onto my back and put into my story is what God wants in every single facet of everything. It's a fundamental shift. It's a huge shift because I go from God over everything, but my natural humanistic response is, I want me over everything. I want, I want to be in control. I want to say what's going on. I want to sit there and pound my fist and complain about everything. I want to say it's all these people's fault. Look at the world. They're so bad. Everyone's so bad. Everyone's so evil, but I'm doing good things. Look at me, look at me, look at me. As opposed to the story of God, which says, those are my people. Find them, love them, transform them. You be transformed to transform others. We have a job to do as a new creation, not to sit, but to activate. Instead of pointing fingers and just wagging our finger at everybody, we're actually supposed to be in the lives of everybody who's broken and lost with the kingdom of God on our lips. Man, the American dream sure sounds good. We live in the suburbs, y'all. Man, we got our big houses. This is great. We got great schools. We're comfortable. Why would I do that here? Do you know that we did the background of Washington County? That we are only percentage points off of drug abuse compared to Milwaukee County? Did you know that? That drug abuse in Washington County is so, so high. And, and if you understood that, we have this American dream facade that I'm going to cover everything, pretend my life is okay, we've got everything, we're good, but depression, brokenness, hurt, pain is rampant right next door to you, hidden. At least in Milwaukee County, my friends in there, when we walk around, at least they admit it. We lie about it and say, oh, everything's good. We close our doors, and then literally all hell breaks loose in our homes. Washington County, where we live, is not as beautiful and as perfect as we think and pretend it to be. In fact, Washington County needs disciple-making discipleship, new creations, gospel-driven people more than ever before. And that is what the word is driving and speaking to us over and over again. Because when I take my life and I put it aside and I take on the kingdom of God, transformation begins to happen in me, which means transformation starts to go out because I'm going to follow what he said. It might make you uncomfortable because Jesus said it. I don't care today. It's okay. If I make you uncomfortable with dumb things I say, shame on me. When the word of God says it, let's wrestle. Because this word, this renewing of our mind, is so very important. Which makes I want to pause here for a second. Because I've also grown up in the church a long time. I want to speak to this. 
as an angry Gen Xer. And this is just me being angry in Gen X. It's, sorry, everyone else is deal with us because we're angry. So this is the thing, though. Growing up in the church a long time, this is what I've seen. In my experiences, which is my skewing, I have met and been around Christians who are always pointing to the outside saying the world is terrible and we need to do something to fix them. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to impose morality on the world and say, you need to believe what we believe because God has a different way for us. So don't you dare take prayer out of schools. Don't you dare legislate anything. Don't vote for that politician. Do vote for that politician. We point out and we say, this is the problem. And guess what? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. There is a problem out there. The problem is, is that the renewing of our minds comes by Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, which means for them to transform, they need to have the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in their lives, which means if we want the world to transform, you have to transform to go transform them. So the problem isn't them, it's you. The world has this struggle and this pain because as disciple makers, it's our job to go and transform our community and the world. Because the world and sin is going to live as world and sin. It is not getting better. In fact, the word of God says it's never going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Because people are going to reject the gospel over and over and over again. And the further people pull away from God, the darker it's going to be. We are the light. We who have followed Jesus, have the Holy Spirit. So we are on mission to do what he said, which means this. If you are more frustrated now than ever about where our society is going, pull up your bootstraps, suck it up, go out, go make disciples. One by one by one by one by one, we can change lives for the gospel and watch what God can do in a community. That's the big word we're talking about. It's called revival. That's the big word. Revival. There's a resurgence of the Spirit. People start crying out and calling for God again. And that revival comes through the transformation of the heart, not by telling people you're doing the wrong thing. Yes, we can speak it, but is that changing anything? Has it changed anything? Life change comes through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the power to transform lives and become new creations. So our job comes back to making disciples that makes disciples. It's a lot easier to point fingers. It's a lot harder to pull up your bootstraps and go do the work. And I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm here with you. I mean, I've been around 40-some years, and it seems like things keep getting worse. And if I, is Jesus closer than ever? Yes. Can he come back? Please come back today, because it's going to snow tomorrow. Come back today. <laughs> Jesus is coming back, and I don't know if he's coming back in my lifetime, 500 years, but we are in the end days of the church. That could be days. It could be who knows. Nobody knows except for the Father. We are in the end days of the church, which means this. The church cannot sit around doing nothing anymore. We have to activate. We activate by being new creations. So the transformation starts with us to transform others. There's a tension in your heart right now. I know there is because you're taking it through your perspective. Some things you're like, mm, I didn't like what he said, or like, preach it, brother, like, keep preaching, and you're all over the place. It's okay. Let the tension sit there, because tension, when you're working out and when you coach anything, stress brings growth. There should be a tension here of, am I really a new creation right now? Am I taking this word seriously? 
Am I taking the word, the thought of being a new creation? Am I owning that? Because if I am a new creation and I don't have kingdom-mindedness, if I'm kind of in both worlds, I got to ask you the, like, the question, like, are you all in for the master or are you not? I'm not saying you aren't going to mess up. Jesus' disciples were all in. They're like, see ya. Like, you know, like, so they messed up. But then something changed. When they got the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden they changed the world with the gospel. Where are we on our journey? And, and how do we move to this new place? That's new creation. Now, as you take a breath, I want to encourage you. You're like, okay, <laughs> pastor, great post-Easter message here. Like, we just celebrated, right? Jesus died and rose again for this purpose. That's why I'm saying it. Easter set this up for us today that we get to be new creations. You get to follow the master. You get to have a new purpose. And your purpose now is way better than getting that new Ford F-150, let me tell you. That when you go to bed at night after you've sacrificed your entire day for the kingdom of God within your family, within your job, within your community, you lay in bed at night and you start to pray. You say, Lord, I have lived out the verse. I'm a living sacrifice as you've made me, God. As you've made me, I've given myself to you in your kingdom. It's a pretty cool prayer. Hey, God, thanks for everything you've given me. Can you give me more, please? Gee, I don't know. I don't know if you've, there's no God is a genie in a bottle. This isn't some Aladdin Disney movie. You rub the lamp, he gives you what you want. Instead, we, we lay with the hearts of saying, God, I've given you everything. You owe me nothing because you've already given me the gospel. You've already given me salvation. You've already given me the spirit. You've already given me a new life. You've already given me a new purpose. You've already promised me eternity. God, you've given me everything. What can I, what do you owe me, God? You owe me nothing, but I give you everything as worship back to you because the word says that is true worship. I love that you sing songs. I love it. That's a type of worship. I love that you hear the word and come and preach. My preaching, that's part of worship. I love that you're on mission. I love it. Those are all parts of worship, but the worship that God's looking for is this brand new, new creation in which you are all in. And let me tell you why we go all in. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. The new creations get something totally different than the rest of the world. The world is always going to live as the world has always lived. Should not shock you. All you have to do is read Genesis chapter 3 and you start to understand why the world is what it is. Just start getting into understanding that sin does as sin is. It's kind of our Forrest Gump, right? Stupid is as stupid does, right? Sin's going to do it. This doesn't surprise us. New creations, different story. And for new creations and this whole new way of renewing of our mind and this new way of thinking, this transformation offers us something absolutely beautiful. That when I'm a new creation, I'm not at all interested in the things of this world. I'm not interested in anything, power, money, success. I'm not into that stuff because new creations say, all I care about is eternity. All I care about is what does it mean when I get to see him again? What does it mean that I've lived my life in such an accord of giving everything and sacrificing my life for the kingdom that I get to see Jesus again and we go back to where we're supposed to be, which is reunited. We're going to dig into that as we dig into this passage here. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 5, 1-7. Oh, they went Romans. Well, that's 2 Corinthians. 
Sorry about that. Typos, that's on me. New creation who can't type. All right, here we go. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in isn't destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. Our natural, come-out-of-the-box thinking is that we need to sustain our life. We are in survival mode. We come out, we're babies. We cry, we want milk. We soil our diapers, we want it changed. We are just babies, and we come out focused on ourselves, and we start to grow. And you want to know how sin is real? Just be around a two-year-old for a little bit of time. Mine, 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 mine. Whack, punch, whack, punch. Two-year-olds, God bless them, toddlers, mom, toddlers. Special blessings on you today. It's a hard age. And at this age, you start to see that these toddlers are starting to show you the human condition and that it is all about me and my selfishness. And then we start to teach our young ones what's proper in our culture. Now, this is where things change. In American culture, there's what's proper. There's older American culture, such as don't put your elbows on a table. Have you ever gone out to eat anybody 20 years old? Their elbows are on the table looking at their phone. They don't even look at you. Older generations say you don't put your elbows on the table. You pay attention. You look in the eye. We talk. Everything is shifting again. So we start to teach them, like, what is proper? What is proper culture? We start to say that we need to be generous and sharing. But maybe their experiences weren't like that growing up. So now their experiences say, really, life is all about me. I'm about to get mine. Hey, get out there. Make as much money as you can, no matter what it takes. You learn these experiences. Or maybe you have an experience that says, I need to be nice and generous. But what I need to do is I need to always make sure that I'm okay, and then I'll help others. As long as I have a big surplus of all that I need, I'll give everybody else the scraps. The American dream. And what happens here is that as we start to grow and we start to be built, and we start to understand something as humans, we start to have our own fingerprints, our own stories, and our own experiences. And all of those experiences outside the Spirit of God is me focused on you getting everything you can right now. Until something happens called midlife crisis. Midlife crisis comes. And all of a sudden, I'm not 20 anymore. I'm not 30 now I'm in my 40s. I'm like, man, I'm rounding second, heading towards third. My life is half over, almost half over, even though I don't know how long I'm going to live. But I'm starting to head towards home. And I'm like, uh, maybe I should start thinking about those things. And then people who are older, they're like, Jason, cute story. I'm, on, I'm past third or headed towards home. I'm really starting to think about these things. Or maybe you're 20-something, and you're saying, I hear what you're saying, but what I want is because I want my kids to be good moral people, I need to engage spirituality so my kids learn about good morals. 
It's more about my kids and my kids because as they're going to start to grow older, I want them to know about God, even though I don't want to really live it or listen to it that much. I want them to start thinking about it. And what happens is that a shift starts to happen in our lives where it's me, 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 me. And then we start to think, oh, I wonder what happens when I die. And the word here is so beautiful and so comforting for our new creation people. For new creations, I don't care. As a new creation, I'm like, this place is not that great. As a new creation, no matter what I have or don't have, I'm kind of sick of it. I'm sick of the drama. I'm so sick of politics. I'm sick of illness. I'm sick of death. I can not, I can never hear the word cancer in my life and be happy. I'm so sick of fighting. I'm so sick of broken relationships. It feels like as I'm sitting here, what does this world have to offer me? And all I want to do with all of my life is when do I get to be back with Jesus? Because I know there it's good and here it's not. And so literally, I'm telling you my perspective is that I'm longing to get out of here. And that's good because I'm rounding second. It's good. I want to go home. I'm sick of this. And if you've ever been around someone who's a new creation person as they're on their deathbed, and I've always wondered this when I was younger. How does that faithful woman, that grandma, that faithful grandpa, that faithful person, whoever they are, on their deathbed, like, I just want to go home. I just, I just want to see Jesus. And I thought, how could you think that? You're about to die. Because we don't know what happens when you die. We think we know. We have an idea. But you don't know what happens when you die. Because none of you have died before, right? This isn't like a zombie thing. Like, you've never died. You've never died, so you don't know what's happening. And so I'm listening to this person as I'm sitting by a deathbed, like, I just want to go home. This place has nothing to offer me. I just want to go home. And I'm like, who says that? New creations say that. The word here is so clear that though we live in this earthly tent, it's this temporary moving. In the Old Testament, tents were for nomadic people that moved. They were nomadic. They had tents and shelters, and they would move. They didn't stay in one place, so they could move to where there's resources, food, water, what they needed to sustain life, and so they weren't in one place. We are not in one place. This is just a temporary stop on an eternal perspective. And as a new creation, I'm looking at this temporary stop as, well, while I'm here, I want to knock it out of the park and transform everything and everybody I can for the kingdom of God because what I do here now matters for eternity. If I don't believe in eternity, I'm not a new creation, well, it totally makes sense. Live it up. YOLO. You only live once for all the people like, what? You only live once. You only live once was the calling sign of Generation Z. But what if we changed it to YOLT? You only live twice. What if the first life that we're here on earth matters so much that eternity is now transformed forever for you and for others if we live our first life according to the gospel of Jesus Christ? What if, and we're just, we're just you know, pretending here for a second because there's no pretending. It's actually the word of God if you didn't know. What if your life mattered so deeply that now for eternity, what you do here changes your experience. 
Because the word says that there are gifts given, that there's, I don't understand this, God blesses and gives to those who have been faithful, and that those who are martyrs are receive this higher honor, and all these things are like, God, I don't even understand this. This is so beyond, I'm not doing it for anything. I'm doing it because you've transformed me, because here's the truth to you today. If you don't believe in anything about God, I have a message for you today. I want you to please listen to me right now. If you don't believe in God or struggling, or I'm not sure, here's the truth. If I'm right, and what you do now matters forever, I'm right. And the word of God is correct. If I'm wrong, okay, and there is no eternity, you living your life the way Jesus Christ has called you to will bring people the best life possible while they're here on earth. You're the most charitable, kind, loving, giving, serving human that ever lived. You're changing people's lives. So if this is it, you just want to be a great person, follow Jesus Christ. If there is eternity, follow Jesus Christ. No matter what, you need to follow Jesus Christ. If I'm right, it matters. If I'm wrong, you've changed the world. Don't worry about picking up plastic in the ocean, which is a good thing to do. Go change someone's life by being a good neighbor at least. Does that make sense? Because if we are here now, we have a life, YOLO, or if it's YOLT, we live twice, we are groaning and want to get to that place because we are temporary, and so my life isn't focused on me here. My life is focused on the whole gamut. I see it double time. I don't know what happens to you when you die. Do you see a bright light? Are there people around you? I know there's books written about people who say they die. And say, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know who's telling the truth who's lying anymore. I want to stick to the word of God. The word of God says this, to be absent from the body is presence with the, with the Lord. So what I know is this, when you're not here, you're somewhere awesome with him and I'm down. That's it. Because this world has offered me nothing good except pain, heartache, death. Even when things are good, I'm like, this is nothing compared to heaven. There's nothing compared to being with my master. And so why would I put all of my energy into now if eternity matters? Those who know me and are in my life know that I am not just saying this. I believe with my whole heart. Everything I do, every action I do, everything I'm involved with is kingdom-minded. I love, I, I get to coach. I love coaching. It's one of my favorite things in the world. I have sports. I'm super over-competitive. Sorry if I ever offended you in a game we played or something because I'm over-competitive all the time. But I just love to win. Uh, I'm over-competitive. But what I care about more than anything in the world are the, are the souls and the spirits of the kids I get to coach, to show them what it means to follow the master, to just live and be an amazing example of light. And sometimes I talk about Jesus. Sometimes I don't say anything about it, but I'm living it all the time in the community because if I'm going to do anything, it's for the kingdom. It's never for me. I've done too much of my life. I've wasted way too many years, friends. If you're like, Jason, I've wasted years, I've wasted way too many years. You can change that today. What if this new creation thinking is really all about us transforming the world with the gospel? What if new creation thinking is the beginning part and we get this beautiful inheritance for new creations that you get to be absent from the body. When this life ends, another life begins in which everything matters and you get to be with the king of the universe forever. But here's the harsh reality. And again, you can believe me or not. 
The word of God says those who are not new creation, those who have not accepted Christ, those who have not given their life to Jesus Christ, you do not get that. Unfortunately, the word hell is a very real word and a real place, and it's utter separation from God forever. What is hell like? Lots of books, lots of stories. I'm not going, so I don't want to talk about it that much. But I will talk about this, friends. What is it like to, never, to have God turn his back on you because you've chosen to turn your back on him? That's hell. Because this earth still knows the love of God. God's love is still here for his children. Even broken, lost people can flip their lives and come to God. What is hell like? When God turns his back and you are no longer loved, what is that like? That's hell. Fire, pain, I don't know, sure. Yes, the word says it. Lots of different theories. Here's the scariest thing I can think of. What happens if God stopped loving me? If you are far from God right now, you don't even know what that means yet because you've never been it. What does it mean to be back with my father who loved me is all my life is dedicated to. I never want to know an instant being away from my master. And you know what drives me to live kingdom? is for every single name that I know and can say to you right now who are going to hell. If that doesn't get you out of your seat to do something, friends, I don't know what else does. We are new creations. Heaven is a real place for those who have called on Jesus Christ as Savior. Hell is a real place. It is a place of separation from God forever in which it is absolute agony in every facet why are we not activating to transform the world? Because we struggle with really taking this new creation thing seriously. Today it changes. And we're going to pray for that right now as we close up. I'm praying so deeply through this, path, through this series that you would start to hear this message and start to give your open-handed life to Jesus Christ in every facet. That you start to see the things of this world as meh. We live in it. We work with it. We do stuff with it. But what we love and what we dream of is kingdom-mindedness. And then as you become transformed, you now start to know what the will of God is. And the will of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ, to go out and be transformed the entire world. That is your job given to us by Jesus to make disciples. If you've been here long enough, this whole make disciples that make disciples, like, I'm sorry, I'm tired of hearing about it. Too bad. It's your job. And new creations, now you get it. New creations have no option but to activate because God's called us to it. So I'm going to ask you just to join me in prayer. Right now, your experiences, your story, your background, there's a tension rolling in you. I know this tension of, I don't even know if I believe in hell. I don't know if I believe in heaven. I don't know if I believe what he's saying. Maybe you're like, God, I have so much guilt and shame. I've given up so much of my life. I've, I, I haven't been activated. I want you to sit, and it's okay today, friends. You don't have to have all the answers. Sit in your tension today, and let's give it back to God. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and then I'm going to close us in prayer, to just sit in silence and speak to the God of the universe who hears you right now. Where are you on this journey of becoming a new creation? Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. 
for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.